From Cross Culture Church in Raleigh, this is Crosswalk. It's Resurrection Sunday. Thanks for joining us. We have a very special message for you this week. Substituting this week for Pastor Clay from Charleston, South Carolina, here is guest pastor Trey Rhodes. It's good to be here on this Easter Sunday, and uh, it's a privilege to uh, come and speak to you. Believe me, you have no idea what an honor it is to be here in this place. Uh, As Ivy uh, mentioned earlier, I was at that little school, Southeastern Seminary, and when I was there, it was a little school, 400 people, uh, back in uh, the uh, late 1980s, and um, we are just thankful to the Lord that we have uh, uh, gotten to where we are, and uh, that the Lord has been with us all the way. But I want to thank you in advance for uh, allowing me the opportunity and privilege to be here. I want to thank you for taking my son and my daughter-in-law and my grandchildren in like they're your own, and uh, I will tell you this from a sincere heart, and that is that if we could not have hand-chosen a better church for them to be nurtured and ministered uh, to and ministered in and, and uh, what you have done for them and how you have blessed them and how uh, you have just taken them in and made them a part of your family has touched Kelly's in my heart uh, over and over again. And I just, I truly and sincerely thank you for that. And uh, uh, Pastor Clay has also been such an encouragement to to my son Ivy, he's been an encouragement to me just to see what he's been through over these last months and uh, to see him come back almost from the dead, uh, to see uh, all that he has been through and yet continue to struggle through and, and come back and, and be able to preach the Word of God with such power and force uh, has just been incredible to watch. And I thank the Lord for Cross Culture Church. Uh, I pray for you all the time, and I thank the Lord for how God is using you to touch lives and to touch uh, all the way from the smallest child all the way up to the, to the oldest adult. And I'm just so thankful for what God is, is using you for. And uh, thank you so much. My mom and dad are also here today. Dad and mom, if you just raise your hand there. There's dad and mom there. And we're thankful for them being here. And they came up. Uh, everybody always thinks I'm the older of my dad and me. I, I, but uh, and they really do. So they say, are you the older brother? or? Uh, but uh, anyway... It's uh, great to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Well, if you will, turn in your Bibles to John chapter 11. We're going to be studying John chapter 11 this morning. And uh, we're going to be talking about something that's very personal to me. And it's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. I was a pastor in a little town called Utahville. And we started there back in the, um, right after seminary. It was uh, after seminary church. And I said, well, I'll just go there and I'll bide my time for a while and and uh, get what I need done, and then I'm going to head on to the foreign mission field. That was my goal. That was my dream. That was our plan. Then my daughter, in the midst of that, got juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. Uh, her name is Addie. I, um, she's the oldest daughter. It's not Emmy, but uh, she's the oldest daughter, Addie. And uh, that was uh, through a monkey wrench and everything, and, and we were a little disappointed and all that. But in the midst of it, um, we... Um, the Lord, we saw the Lord do great things. We had uh, started running two services and had uh, one single year where we baptized over 100 people. It was just a miracle in this little town of 300 to see this church uh, multiply and grow. And as I've gotten further away from that situation, I realize now it was all about the Lord and very little about Trey. And uh, I'm just so thankful that he, I was allowed to be a part of that. But during that time, we like to get our people involved in training, not just the Bible, but maybe things that the world could come in and be a part of and, you know, bring them in and serve, serve them that way. And one of my friends was an EMT, and he said, well, Pastor, I'd like to teach a, a CPR course. And I said, that's great, that's great. When do you want to do it? I want to do it on, I think it was Tuesday nights. And, 
And I said, well, I'll be the first person to sign up. We'll promote that thing. We'll bring anybody who wants to come be a part. They pay their $10. They'll get their card. We'll get CPR training. I wanted CPR training because, you know, something was to happen in church. We were on a youth trip or we were on a, on a mission trip or whatever. I wanted to be able to help someone in need. I looked at Kelly. I said, is that something you want to do? She says, yeah. And Ivy, Ivy, said, Ivy says to me, Dad, can I take it? I said, yeah, that'd be fine. Why don't you take CPR too? So we went through the classes. I think it was four weeks long. And we learned everything you're supposed to do. We had that little dummy. And we were able to breathe into the mouth and all the things that you do to, to learn to do CPR. And then we got our little cards. We were CPR certified. And, uh, man, I was ready. I was ready to do whatever it needed to happen. It was, it was a great experience. And I was glad that I had that knowledge. Some five years later, I was um, preaching, much like it is here this morning. It was a, not a school auditorium, but a movie theater auditorium. And I was getting the last sound check, kind of like Tyler and I were doing just before the service. And I was getting the last sound check, and I had my headset on, and I looked at my wife, and I said, Kelly, I need some help. And she said, Okay. And then I started to take my headset off. I said, I need help. And I hit the ground, and I turned blue from my head up. Ivy, or excuse me, let me put it this way. Everybody else goes into pandemonium in the church, screaming hard, carrying on. looked like, I mean, it just was crazy. There's the pastor laying on the front right down here, turning blue and convulsing on the floor. And everybody was in pandemonium except two people, my wife and my son, Kelly brought a calmness to it, and Ivy bent over me and gave me the kiss of life and began to breathe into my lungs oxygen that I desperately needed because I was not breathing on my own. And he kept me alive until the EMTs got there. Kept this brain tissue alive. And y'all notice I limp. It's because of that, because there was no oxygen going to my spinal column. Kept as much oxygen as possible going to my spinal column. They tried to get him to do all kinds of things, compressions and everything. Said, no, we've, we've got oxygen going into his lungs. We don't need to give him compressions. We just need to, they thought I was having a heart attack. I wasn't. I was having what's called a dissected aorta where the top part of my aorta ripped all the way into my heart. And I had a balloon of blood that was not working. Well, they kept me alive and make a long story short, after two months stay in the hospital, I got out and uh, just saw God miraculously allow me to go from a quadriplegic that couldn't breathe. With, I had to have a breathing tube. I was in a coma. Um, to go from that all the way to where you see me today, by the grace of God. Amen. What happened that day is hard to explain. I, I, don't, I, didn't have a, uh, I didn't see a little light and walk towards the light and all those things. But I will tell you this. There was a moment in time when I was in the presence of God. I don't understand it. I didn't see anything. I just experienced his presence. And then when I woke up, I realized that my wife explained to me what had happened. But here's what I'm trying to get at is that CPR went for me from an academic study to something that was very personal to me. I thank God for my 18-year-old son at that time who remembered CPR enough to breathe oxygen into my lungs so I could stay alive. And CPR was my personal CPR then. It went from a study to something very personal. We went from 
the academic to the practical. What was theoretical had become reality. What was written in a book had become very personal. This preacher who stands before you today is alive, and CPR class to me is now very personal. Now, for each of us here, we believe that Jesus rose from the dead. It's a historical fact. It doesn't take any faith to believe it historical fact. It actually happened. Jesus really rose from the dead. There is more proof that Jesus rose from the dead than Julius Caesar ever reigned as as a Caesar in Rome. That's a historical fact. The resurrection is historical. It is real. And for those who have trusted Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, it is personal. Because we have moved from the historical, we have moved from the factual into something that has come into our lives and changed us and made us new people. It is very personal. And we thrill at the thought of the resurrection of Jesus and as the Word of God teaches us, because He lives, we too shall live. That is the resurrection. And that is very personal to me. Would you turn in your Bibles, I hope you're already there, to John chapter 11. I'm going to read to you, uh, not from the resurrection of Jesus, I'm going to read to you about the resurrection of someone else, a man named Lazarus. And this is uh, beginning in verse 17. John chapter 11, verse 17. I'm reading out of the Holman Christian Standard, but you can follow along whatever whatever translation you have. And when Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. And Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away, and Many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them about their brother. As soon as Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, it's kind of an accusation here. Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Then she kind of calmed down a little bit. Said, yet now, yet even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Your brother will rise again, Jesus told her. That's the factual. That's the theoretical. He was giving her the truth. And Martha said this, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection in the last age. It was very impersonal to her. It was something that was going to be in the, the by and by, the, the later on, the, the way up there. I know it's going to happen. I know that, Lord. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, the one, now we're going individual, even if he dies, will live. Everyone, every individual who lives and believes in me will never die, ever. Do you believe this? Now it gets real personal, doesn't it? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who comes into the world. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that Jesus entered human history, lived a perfect, sinless life, died on the cross and took our place, and is, was dead and is now alive. Lord, thank you for your word and how you help us to understand what you want us to. And may we Experience your resurrection today in ways that we might not have ever done so before. As your spirit speaks to us, open our eyes that we may behold wonderful things from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. This account of the raising of Lazarus is really the climactic sign 
in the Gospel of John. In John, there were seven miracles. And uh, they were seven signs, and each one illustrated a different aspect of Jesus' character, who he was. And so this one exemplifies in the clearest of terms his power over the last and the most impossible to defeat of all of man's enemies, death. It was this miracle that dealt in two ways with the disciples and what Mary and Martha were facing. This was for them the greatest, in, in many ways, the greatest crisis of their faith up to this point. Would they believe that Jesus was who he said he was and that he could do what he said he could do? It's why Jesus turned to his disciples and clarified what had happened to Lazarus. Now, I'm going to skip around a little bit, but starting in verse 1 of John 11 and uh, skipping through some of the verses, trying to get you a picture of where they were. It says, now a man was sick, Lazarus, from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. So the sisters sent a message to him, Lord, the one you love is sick. And when Jesus heard it, he said, now these are the interesting words, this sickness will not end in death, but for the glory of God. So the Son of God may be glorified through it. He said this, and then they told him, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm on my way to wake him up. That's what Jesus said to them. Then the disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will get well. Jesus, however, was speaking about his death, but they thought he was speaking about natural sleep. I'm glad for you that I wasn't there so that you may believe, but let's go to him. So they were struggling with this issue. It was a crisis for their faith. Here Jesus, who is, they're starting to really believe that he's the son of God, that he's who he said he was, that he is Messiah, he is Lord. They're starting to believe these things. And all of a sudden Jesus said he's not going to die. And the report comes back that he is dead. How does that measure up? How does that work? Here the one that Jesus said would never die is now dead, or would not die is now dead. So what he does in these next verses that we're going to look at is help them understand what the point that as a Savior, he has overcome death, not just for himself, but for people like Lazarus, who they got to physically see rise from the dead, who each one of us that know Christ as Savior will also have physical resurrection, not just the spirit, but the body will be resurrected. And we will have a new body. Thank God for a new body. I won't limp anymore. I won't have to wear these crazy glasses anymore. But that's what we're talking about. This resurrection from the dead, the the actual physical resurrection. He said, I want to go from the theoretical to the actual. From the sweet by and by to the here and now. And what I want you to understand is that what I did for you, I did for you each individual personally. That's why this message this morning is called Your Personal Resurrection. So first of all, let's look in uh, verse 21 to 24. Talk about the personal confidence in your Savior's activity. John chapter 11, verse 21 to 24. Then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Again, we're kind of blaming him. Yet even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. So she backed off a little bit. Your brother will rise again, Jesus told her. And Martha said, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Now, we would expect Martha to rush out to meet Jesus while Mary sat at the house weeping with her friends since Mary had later echoed Martha's words of greeting. It's likely that 
that these sisters would do these things. And when Jesus came, they would do the same sort of things. They waited for Jesus to arrive. They were excited for him to be there. They were, remember, after all, they were very good friends. And while there was a tinge of disappointment in the statement, there was also this evidence of faith. She says, yes, I, my, my brother has died, but Jesus, I know that he's going to rise again. Interestingly enough, we, we don't have anyone ever dying in the presence of Jesus. Martha was quick to affirm her faith in Jesus Christ and Verse 22, and Jesus responded to that faith by promising her that her brother would rise again. And here's where the confusion often begins. We think Jesus is speaking to us about the sweet by and by in our own lives about things. Jesus says to you, you have the resurrection power living and breathing and moving inside of you as every believer. And you say, oh yeah, I know one day I'll be like Jesus, but right now it's a struggle. And I'm just going to have to struggle on and I'm never going to have victory. I'm going to be defeated. But Jesus is telling you now that that resurrection power is available to you right here, right now in 2015 on Easter Sunday. It's available to you. You can have victory in Jesus Christ. The song, oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever, is not just a song we sing. It's a life we live. It's victory in Jesus Christ. So when he says, you too will rise again, we have all been brought from death into life. We have moved from darkness into light. We are believers who have had already are, uh, have been resurrected, and the Bible tells us that we are seated in the heavenlies with Jesus Christ in the book of Ephesians. It is so critical to our lives to understand that when our Lord speaks, he is speaking to us. When he speaks to us in the word of God, he is speaking to us. Why else would the apostle Paul not have said, uh, all the promises of God are yes and amen to you. They're for us. This resurrection is very personal. It makes a difference, not, his, not just historically, but it makes a difference in our lives right here today. In 21st century Raleigh, he makes a difference. He is speaking to us. Now what happens is we get in the workaday world and we struggle out there and we hurt and we, we get beat up and we get talked down to and we get railed and, and we hear the filthy language and filthy things going on around us and, and we see all this junk going on and we start to get spiritually disoriented. We get spiritually distracted and it can remove the incredible blessing that God wants each one of us to have. You see, the Savior is working and active in your life today. It's about the right now, the here and now, not just the sweet by and by. And sure, we will be glorified and one day we will be like him for we shall see him as he is. But right now, he says, no, you can live on the other side of Canaan. You don't have to live in defeat. You know, you don't have to live that way. You can live in the promised land of life and hold on to the promises of God. When Jesus speaks to us, especially through the word of God, we must always ask, is it for me? Is it right now? And will I believe? Are we going to make it personal? As I said earlier, truth be told, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is settled fact. It's not about do you historically believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Certainly you believe that. But do you believe in your own personal resurrection that he has made a difference in your life? We're told by the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Spirit of God, and this is the verse I was 
one of the verses I was alluding to a moment ago. For if we have been joined with him in the likeness of his death, we will certainly also be in the likeness of his resurrection. That's in Romans chapter 6. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him because we know that Christ, having been raised from the dead, will not die again, for death no longer rules over him. And because he lives, we too shall live. The resurrection of Jesus impacts our life even right here. Jesus, through his own death and resurrection, has given each one of us incredible life. Right here, right now. So on this day when we remember and celebrate the resurrection of our Savior, are you truly alive in Jesus Christ? When you were dead in your trespasses and sins, was that a past tense thing for you? Or, Or today, are you alive in Jesus Christ? The Savior is active today. The question is, is he active in you? Is he active in you? So the first thing we want to look at is that personal confidence in the Savior's activity, that the Savior is at work. Second thing we want to look at is found in verses 11, 25 to 26. And it is this, personal belief in your own resurrection. There is personal belief in your own resurrection. All that encapsulates the resurrection is only found in Jesus Christ. Just as Jesus' resurrection is the real thing, so is your resurrection. It's the real thing. Listen to what John says uh, in verse 11, chapter 11, verse 25 to 26. Jesus said to her, I, very personal here, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live Everyone who believes in me will never die, ever. And listen to this question that must have penetrated her heart like never before. Do you believe this? That's the real question, isn't it? Do you believe this? You see, we believe that Jesus' death was sufficient for all, but only efficient for those who are saved. The question is, do you believe? We are not universalists. We don't believe that Jesus' death means that everybody's going to heaven. We believe that Jesus died and gave us the power and the forgiveness and the grace and the mercy that we could receive him as our Savior and our Lord and change us forever. That's what we believe. I don't know if you saw this testimony. I think it was last year. But a man named Bono, I think we have his picture up here. Uh, I don't know if you've ever had a picture of Bono in church, but there it is. Um, But Bono was asked to, uh, by a snooty British journalist, a man named Gay Byrne. uh, He he was really looking to ridicule and demean Bono's faith and our faith. And he was asked by the interviewer, he said, uh, and I'm quoting him, then what or who was Jesus as far as you're concerned? And Bono said, I don't think you're let off easily by saying he was a great thinker or a great philosopher because actually he went around saying he was Messiah. That's why he was crucified. He was crucified because he said he was the son of God, said the rock musician and businessman. So either in my view, he was the son of God or he was nuts. That's an allusion to C.S. Lewis for those that have read C.S. Lewis. He's Lord Liar Lunatic. Forget rock and roll messianic complexes. I mean, and this is his quote, I mean the Charlie Manson type delirium. I find it hard to accept that 
Whole millions of lives, half the earth for 2,000 years, have been touched and have felt their lives touched and inspired by some nutter. I just don't believe it. Byrne, still doubting, said, Therefore it follows that you believe he was divine and arose physically from the dead? And you pray to the risen Jesus? Bono said, yes, I do. In a final question, Gay Byrne, the interviewer, asked, and you believe that he, Jesus, made promises which will come true? Yes, I do, said Bono. Now, read that passage again. Do you believe this? You know, if there was ever a way to get out, he said, well, you know, I, I kind of hang on to that, but, you know, it's, it, it, it means a lot in my personal life, but I don't want to get into that here. I don't really talk about the risen Jesus. I don't want really to talk about his physical resurrection. He's alive in me, and that's really all that matters. No, he said, Jesus is alive, and Jesus is alive in me, and he makes a difference in my life. It wasn't a, this, this idea that this belief was a distant future, non-personal resurrection Jesus didn't deny what Martha said about the future resurrection. By the way, there is going to be a future resurrection. The resurrection of the human body, that was a cardinal doctrine of the Orthodox Jewish faith. But in his great I Am statement, our Lord completely transformed the doctrine of the resurrection and in so doing brought great comfort to Martha's heart. You see, Jesus did three things with his reply to Mary that impacts each one of us today. First, he gave us clarity in the resurrection. To begin with, he brought the doctrine of the resurrection out of the shadows, out of the mystery, and into the bright lights at that moment. The Old Testament revelation about death and resurrection is not real clear, and many times it can be incomplete. As a matter of fact, you can take some of the Old Testament passages and almost make it sound like we're never going to rise from the dead. We're just going to kind of rot in the grave. And there have been heretics that have tried to say those words over the, over the years, over the centuries. But it wasn't David or Solomon who brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. It was Jesus Christ, the Son of God. By his teaching, his miracles, and his own resurrection, Jesus clearly taught that the resurrection, uh, that the human body would be resurrected. So he said, no, there is going to be an actual resurrection of the body. But he also said there's more than that. It's not just a bodily resurrection. There's going to be relationship through the resurrection. He transformed this doctrine in a second way. He took it out of a book and he put it into a person. He put it into himself and he said, I am the resurrection and the life. This is a person thing. This is not a book thing. This is not in the dusty books that you find in some theological library in, modern, in ancient Jerusalem. This is for real. I am the resurrection and the life. And we thank God for what the Bible teaches and all that Martha had, by the way, all she would have had was the Old Testament. And we realize that we are saved by the Redeemer Jesus Christ and not by a doctrine written in a book. We know that we, when we know him by faith, we, don't, we do not need to fear the shadow of death that David spoke about. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. We don't fear because Jesus has conquered death. When you're sick and you want a doctor, you don't start go to a medical book, medical book. I know. When you're sick, you don't want somebody pouring through some medical book saying, we'll see what's wrong with old Trey here laying on the floor blue. Eh, let's see here. You want a real personal doctor, amen? That's what you got to have with Jesus. A real personal Savior. 
a person, not a dead, dusty, dying book of some theological treatise in the background. In Jesus, every doctrine is made personal. When you belong to him, you have all you will ever need in life and death and in time and all of eternity. And then the third thing is this. We can have identification with the resurrection right now. Perhaps the greatest transformation Jesus performed was to move the doctrine of resurrection out of the future and into the present. And we talked about that, so I'm not going to belabor it. But it's something that affects us right here, right now. You know, Jesus could have worked the easy way out on this thing. He could have said, yeah, you're right, Martha. <laughs> he's, going to rise in the, he's going to rise from the dead later. Okay, let's go eat dinner. What you got for dinner? But he didn't. He said, right here, right now. Later on in this, just a few verses later, is when he calls Lazarus to come forth. This is something that is happening now. The resurrection is available to you now. And then the last thing we want to talk about today is about confessing personal belief in resurrection. Look at verse 27. He goes on to say, book of John, Martha comes back and makes his confession. Yes, Lord, she told him, I believe, very personal, you are the Messiah, the Son of God who comes in to the world. This is the most personal part of what Jesus was saying. It was personal confession. Martha didn't hesitate to affirm her faith. She used three different titles for Jesus. She called him Lord. She called him Messiah or Christ, Christos or Mashiach. She called him Son of God. The words I believe are what, what we would call in the Greek the perfect tense. It indicates a fixed and settled faith, something that wouldn't change. I have believed and I will continue to believe. So when she said I believe, that's what she was saying. I have believed and I will continue to believe. Interestingly enough, the one person who declared her faith was Martha and all that crowd of people. The Jews, remember we had read, had come out to see all this thing that it was going on. And Martha was the only one that declared her faith. And yet we read in verse 38 that she thought that Lazarus' body was still in a state of decay. As, I know it's not in the passage, but it's just kind of interesting. Go drop down to verse 38. And it says, Jesus um, came to the tomb. It was a cave and stone was lying in it. Removed the stone. And Martha, the dead man's sister, told him, Lord, he's already decaying. He's been It's been four days. I think the King James, I love how the King James put it. But Lord, he stinketh. uh, Is it anywhere else in the Bible where he put E-T-H at the end of stink? Stinketh. That's just a great Bible verse, you know. I always told my kids when they took their shoes off, your feet stinketh, put your shoes on. (laughs) It's just interesting that, you know, she was, in all her faith that she had, it kind of went out the window. Here she is, yes, I believe. Yes, Lord. And isn't and before you get too hard on her, isn't that sort of how we act and respond at times? We put all this great stuff on Facebook. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. About a day later you say, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm frantic. I can't take it. Am I right? Anybody ever seen those things on Facebook? We do the same thing. 
Here's Martha confessing her faith in Jesus Christ and then using the word stinketh just a few chapters later, a few verses later. Jesus said, I'm going to raise him from the dead, and I mean right here, right now. And Martha says, yeah, I believe that, Lord. You're the resurrection, the life, and all those things. And then, But, Lord, we can't roll the stone away because he stinks. It's going to be a bad odor coming out of there. He's decaying. And I know Jesus is going, Martha, didn't I just tell you that I'm going to raise him from the dead? I can imagine how many times the Lord slaps his head, does the palm plant, palm plant on his own head in my life. When... He comes to me and he says, Trey, I told you I'm handling this. I know, Lord, but I've got to. And we stick our fingers and our toes and we jam our foot in the door trying to figure out a way that we can make it when all along God's saying, no, I want to do it for you, my way, in my time. Calm down. We're all got a little bit of Martha in us. We believe, and yet we're kind of like that blind boy that Jesus healed, help my unbelief. We believe in the theoretical, but when it comes down to the real personal stuff of life, we still protest to God and we let him know, in this case, he might not know what he's doing. We might not say it to him. We might not say it out loud. Kind of like the one, it's funny how people act and respond. I remember one, one, one fellow coming to me in counseling, and I said, well, have you confessed it to the Lord? He said, no, I haven't done that yet. I don't want him to know what I did. <laughs> the Lord already knows what you think. The Lord already knows how you're responding. Just tell him what you're feeling. Let him deal with your feelings, because your feelings are usually wrong. It's not... It's uh, faith and fact, and, and feeling is a great thing, but it can be a bad thing. It can bring us down the wrong path. Is that your faith today? Is it a feeling faith, or is it a fact-filled faith that is personal to you that's making a difference? True faith relies on God's promises and releases God's power. Martha then relented, and, and she says, okay, let the stone be rolled away. And the stone was rolled away. And Lazarus did rise from the dead. And this was the beginning of the end. If the Jews ever wanted to kill Jesus, at this point, that's when they wanted the Jewish leadership to make sure that he would die. But had they known that Jesus would rise from the dead, the Bible tells us they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. Because, my friend, three days later, they thought that they would take him out, that he would be forgotten about in a week. But three days later, Jesus rose from the dead and is alive today and impacts lives and hearts all around the world, so much so that people in the Middle East today are willing to die and lose their heads for their faith in the resurrected Jesus Christ because he has made a difference in their lives. They said, why would, you, why would you do this knowing you're going to lose your head? They say, well, we believed a lie for so long. Can't I die for the truth? Here's the question for each of you today. Is the resurrection personal to you? Does the life-giving resurrection power of the Son of God now flow through you? It's not enough to believe 
that Jesus rose from the dead. You must believe that he did it for you. Jesus died the most horrible of deaths, reserved only for the worst of Roman criminals, to pay for your sin and my sin. He paid our time. He took our place. He was what we call, he was our substitute, what we call the substitutionary atonement. Jesus took our place. Christian, I know that I really don't have a place to say this. I'm not your pastor. But really, isn't it time to quit playing games in this lost and dying world that's without Jesus? Isn't it quit time to quit playing games in our own lives? Thinking we're going to take the sin all the way to the edge as far as we can. I was taught a long time ago that sin will cost you more than you thought you'd pay, take you further than you thought you'd go. Isn't it time we quit playing? The Bible reminds us those days are past. We now walk as children of light in this dark world. Surrender to him today. Surrender. You know, I think that's why it's good to raise your hands in worship because you're just surrendering to the Lord. He will forgive you. He will empower you. He will work through you. And my promise to you and his promise to you, which is even greater than anything I could ever say, is that he will empower you every single moment of every day through his grace to help you live like he wants you to live. Because outside of Jesus, you can't do it on your own. Has the risen Jesus come alive in you? Do you believe this is the resurrection? person for you. We invite you to come worship with us at Cross Culture Church in Raleigh. We gather each Sunday morning in a casual and comfortable atmosphere and celebrate the goodness of our God. Cross Culture Church may be a little different from what you're thinking. Sure, we're a church, but instead of religion, we're about relationships. A community of believers where Jesus is revealed in the lives of each person. Real people who truly care. Solid biblical teaching from Pastor Clay Stevens. And the most energetic, fun, and safe kids program around. Find out more at crossculturelife.org. I want to lead you to the cross. I want to lead you to the cross. Cross Culture Church, taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross.